With us today is Mario Economo. Uh, he is a banker uh, in New York and formerly in London and in Zurich. And um, he keeps his ears to the ground and usually gives us a good uh, indication of what's going on in Europe. Uh, Mario, uh, fill us in. Is there any new developments in Europe? Yes, uh, good morning, Cats uh, Roundtable. Um, we're going to speak about France uh, a little bit today. Before we do that, let's just wish our friends in Greece a happy Independence Day, because Saturday, the 25th of March, was Greek Independence Day. So a very happy Independence Day to our fellow Greeks. Uh, France, uh, the situation in France is not good. There continue to be massive protests in the street. Um, the police are saying roughly one million people are protesting. The organizers are saying it's roughly three and a half million people across the country that are protesting. These are very violent protests. They involve fires. They involve uh, those Molotov cocktail uh, bombs, which uh, light things on fire. Um, I understand that in, I believe it's in Bordeaux, the city hall uh, was essentially um, on fire. Uh, the police has been responding in a very aggressive way, in fact, so much so that the Council of Europe has uh, raised concerns with respect to police brutality uh, in terms of beating up the protesters. This all stemmed from the fact that the president of France, Mr. Macron, had, uh, has increased the retirement age from 62 to 64 years of age. It's going to be introduced in a staggered way between now and 2030, I believe. But uh, many people are against this. Uh, they're also against the way he had this measure uh, essentially approved by a presidential decree, uh, bypassing the lower house and a vote in the lower house because he knew he would not be able to secure enough votes in the lower house. The situation on the streets and in general in France right now is so bad that the president of France has actually asked King Charles from Great Britain, who was scheduled to visit, officially on March the 29th, to postpone his visit and to come at a later date. Ukraine, Russia, is there any, any difference? I mean, you said to us before that you, the Wagner Group is leaving. Did they fail to get paid, or what's going on? Uh, so what's happened now with the Wagner Group is an interesting story. Um, the gentleman who essentially owns it and runs it, a Mr. Prigozhin, uh, it is rumored that he is uh, he's saying basically that the Kremlin wants uh, him assassinated. So he has left, and he's no longer on the ground, and he's saying he's going to reorganize and pull his troops out of there, and he's going to actually focus on Africa. I'm not too sure what happened. We were under the impression, and we had been told by him and others, that he was in fact uh, going to secure the city of Bakhmut, which was going to be a big, major strategic victory for the Russians. He did secure three sides of it uh, and all the highways leading into it except for one. Um, he subsequently raised the uh, flag of the Wagner Group, which was perhaps a big mistake to make. He should have raised the Russian flag first and maybe his below it. Um, and he also did come out publicly and say that it was his goal to essentially become the leader of the Ukraine. And I think both of those things made him fall out of favor with the Kremlin. Uh, and we saw the, uh, uh, the Russian state uh, not providing the ammunition that he kept saying he needed in order to continue the battle. 
Having said that, that does not mean that the Ukrainians have made great gains in Bakhmut. And I think right now the situation in Bakhmut is that um, although the Russians still control it, they don't have 100 percent control of it. And the Ukrainians are trying to launch a counteroffensive to retake it. It's a bloody battle. It's a very brutal battle. And a lot of people are dying on both sides. If we stay with the whole uh, narrative of respect what's going on in Ukraine, we know that the United Kingdom, the British, have basically said they're going to be uh, providing to the Ukraine what are called depleted uranium shells. These are um, shells that are used in art artillery rounds, projectiles. The Russians, for their part, have said that if the uh, British do provide that to the Ukrainians, they will deem it as a nuclear threat and they will respond accordingly. Um, we know also that in Germany, the Chancellor of Germany, uh, Mr. Schultz, has said that he's all for trying to figure out how to have President Putin arrested and brought to justice and trial in front of the International Criminal Court. The reality is it's going to be virtually impossible. In fact, it is going to be impossible for anybody to go into Russia and to get a hold of uh, President Putin. But the rhetoric on both sides is escalating, and once he made that statement, Mr. Medvedev in Russia responded by saying that statements of that nature will result in a direct strike on the Bundestag in Germany, essentially obliterating the German government. So the rhetoric is high on both sides. Once again, we're going to say there's going to be a G20 in September in India, and you and I are hopeful that they will sit around the table and that they will reach some type of an agreement in order to achieve a ceasefire. Now, of all these things happening, which one concerns you the most? The one that concerns me the most is obviously this uh, relationship now that's deepening between Russia and China. Uh, China, China's president was recently there, and he had a very warm visit. And if you look at the pictures, the optics of it, if you recall when President Putin met with the various European leaders, he sat at one end of a very long, long table, and the European leaders were all the way on the other side. Uh, with the Chinese president, he literally sat side by side with him. They actually warmly shaked each other's hands. They spoke in very nice terms with respect to each other's countries, and they looked forward, they said, to a deepening relationship on all levels between the two. The one silver lining that comes out of that meeting, however, is the fact that China has not agreed to uh, this uh, pipeline, this uh, pipeline that's supposed to go through Mongolia and into uh, China from Russia to provide natural gas. Uh, I think President Putin was hoping that they would agree to the completion of this uh, pipeline. Uh, that was not agreed. And I think the concern China has is it doesn't want to become too reliant, just like Germany did, on Russian natural gas, and especially so since once a pipeline can be blown up, the gas just disappears. So I think that uh, the Chinese president is careful and cautious with respect to that. That actually helps the U.S. out strategically because it means there won't be this unlimited natural gas, cheap energy supply that China could benefit from, and that does give a, a small advantage for the time being to the U.S. But the longer-term concerns with respect to a deepening relationship between Russia and China are very real, and they're there for both uh, the, uh, Europe and for the United States of America. Uh, the European community, uh, the European uh, Central Bank, uh, raised the rates a half a point, and right now in America, 
and uh, in Europe, there's the people are scratching their heads. Are there going to be more uh, problems ahead? Uh, they, they've destroyed the real estate industry. Now they're, they're after the financial industry. And uh, I understand that the Deutsche Bank uh, uh, people were questioning uh, on Friday. Yes, so here we go. This is, you're absolutely right. And this is once again uh, all about confidence. Somebody says something and all of a sudden questions are raised with respect to the confidence in a particular bank. And in this case, questions were raised about Deutsche Bank. The Germans were quick to announce that Deutsche Bank's a very solid bank with very good earnings and profits. Uh, the ECB has been saying nonstop that there is no problem with the European banks, but it's one of those things. The more people say there aren't any issues with something, the more people start to question and doubt the integrity of the statements those people are making with respect to the viability of an institution. You're right, Deutsche Bank came under tremendous pressure on Friday, and it will be interesting to see what will happen uh, in the coming week. On that note also, I should point out that last weekend when we saw the uh, merger of UBS with Credit Suisse, uh, polls have been conducted in Switzerland, and over 50% of the people uh, in Switzerland disapprove of this uh, merger. The reality is there was no other choice other than the Swiss government nationalizing Credit Suisse, which would have actually been far the worst option. So um, all things considered, uh, weekends are a scary and dangerous time because we never really know what's going to happen with respect to rumors and statements made about banks. So let's just hope that everything holds tight this weekend, and let's hope that uh, next week opens up fine. And let's also hope that our friends at the various central banks, both in Europe and at the Federal Reserve, decide to slow down or consider eliminating altogether these interest rate increases because they're only going to have a negative long-term impact. Well, they, they destroy the real estate industry. Now they're going to destroy the financial industry. That's not a, And you put us into a recession or deeper depression. Thank you, Mario Economo. We, we pray for our country. We pray for Europe. We pray for uh, America. Uh, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, and enjoy your Sunday.